Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on Ephesians. Alrighty, good morning. It is a great day to be alive. If you've got your Bibles, the ESV journals that we're using, I would invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to continue our uh, study in what I believe to be, as Dustin said, one of the most crucial texts in the New Testament uh, for followers of Christ. Dean Thompson, Deidre, good to see y'all. I knew you could get up without complaining. Y'all give it up for Dean. That way, Dean. Good to see you. Now, on a serious note, if you're watching online, we're so glad you're with us today. And I do pray uh, that you would open your heart to the Spirit of God and that you would really allow the Lord to speak to you as we continue and uh, talking about how we're to live out our Christian faith. I want to pray, and then I want to get going. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you, worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, we thank you that you've given us the word of God that we can press into so that we can know the God of the word in a deep, real way. So I pray that the Holy Spirit would have total just freedom in this space right now, freedom in this room. And I pray as a result of us engaging with you, Father, that you would bring about deeper growth and transformation in our lives. And so, Father, I thank you. I thank you for pursuing us and wooing us into a relationship with you. And I thank you that our identity is who we are in Christ, not what we do, not what we have. It's all about being your child and you being inside of us through the person of the Holy Spirit. So I want to say thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're taking notes, I, I would encourage you to pose this question and even work through it yourself over the next days and weeks. But here is a question I think a lot of people struggle with. What is the church? What, what, what is the church? I think people really do get puzzled even with this simple uh, question, if you will. I can tell you this. The church is not a building that we visit occasionally. The church is not a geographical location that's been made with bricks and with sticks. The purest definition of a church, and I'll give you many even as we get into this teaching today, but the church is a community to belong to that belongs to Jesus. That's the church. The word church in the New Testament is the word ecclesia, and the word ecclesia means those who belong to the Lord. So the purest definition of a church is all about uh, being the bride of Christ, uh, experiencing his redemption and salvation. You go, hey, I'm a member of the church. It's, it's, it's implying I've been born again, I've been uh, saved. The church is a group of people, fundamentally, that's identified by their relationship with Christ, period. That's, that's it. So uh, there's all these different crazy thoughts in regards to church, but it's all about being identified with Christ. Now, Jesus was having the conversation with Peter, and uh, he said, who do people say that I am? And Peter said, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah uh, risen from the dead. But he looked at Peter and he asked him, he said, but, but Peter, you... Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus makes this statement. He says, upon that statement, I will build my church. What statement? That I am the Christ, I am the son of the living God. 
Now, some of my Catholic friends, uh, they kind of drift into the rim of saying that uh, Peter was the one he was going to build his church on. That, that is a fallacy of reasoning. It's the statement that Peter made, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. So again, I say that the church is not a building. Uh, you are the church, the redeemed of the Lord, those who have been born again. We are the church. We do not go to church because I can't go to what I already am. We go to worship and fellowship and uh, celebrate the goodness of God with others, but the church is those who belong to Jesus. So God created the church, when you study it, to be a body, to be a family, uh, to be a community of people that would worship God together, that would pray together, that would encourage one another, uh, that would celebrate the goodness of God, that would serve together, and he created this day for a reason. This is interesting. He created it so that we all, and this is where we're going today, so that we would all grow in unity and in maturity. That's, that's it. When you start to study it, it's like, all right, God has redeemed us, saved us, placed us in the body, uh, the family of God, so that we would grow in unity with one another, in unity with him, and we would really experience maturation and growth in our lives. Now, one of the problems I've seen over the last 35 years since coming to faith in Christ myself is a lot of people lose focus of what the church is all about. I've been in churches, Andrew, that's very interesting. I've been in churches that you would think that the reason the church existed was for the purpose of Bible knowledge. I can tell you, knowledge is important. Knowing the word of God is important, but knowing the God of the word is essential. If we ever conclude, if we ever conclude that the reason Jesus left heaven, came to earth, and died a criminal's death was to set up a Bible teaching institution, we've missed the mark. We've missed the mark. Do I believe in the importance of studying scripture? Absolutely I do. But it's because I want to know the God of the word, not just knowing the word of God. Jesus said this to the Pharisees in John chapter 5. He goes, you search the scripture because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me and receive life. There's a lot of people that's got good information that has never experienced personal transformation because they leverage God's word for their benefit instead of coming to really know God. There's others over the years I've seen in regards to churches. They're not known just for their Bible knowledge, if you will. They're known more for their programs. Oh, man, you got to come check out our program. And, and programs can be beneficial. Uh, some measure uh, who they are as a church by attendance. Others can also uh, kind of drift into that same realm of how many people did we baptize last year. And so there's all these different things that I believe people uh, kind of look at that can cause us to lose focus of the church. Some churches are known for their singing. Some are known for their preaching or whatever. But the Cross Loganville, and, and this is important for you to know, the Cross Loganville, our focus and mission is to see spiritual maturation. That's who we are. 
That's what we desire to see. So when you look at even our vision and mission and who we are, you will hear us use the phrase of we're here to reach the lost. We're here to teach those new believers. We're here to train. We're here to send people out into the world. You'd go, that, that's, that's, I hear that language at the cross quite often, reaching, teaching, training, and sending. So what we mean by that is we desire to see spiritual maturation take place in every person's life, and we desire to see every person that comes to faith be fully alive in Christ as a functional member of the body of Christ. We desire to lead people to Jesus, and we desire to see these people go all in in regards to their faith and pledging their allegiance to the Lamb of God as being supreme. That's who we are. You will hear us say that your story matters, but our aim is connecting your story with Christ and others. And that's what we want to see happen. We want to see your story connect with God and with others. And even as Dustin uh, shared earlier, I mean, even part of doing local missional as well as global missional work is getting people involved and serving, building community, but taking the good news of the gospel to other people. That's what we love to do. Uh, one of the things that I've worked through over the years, even with our church here, is that we desire, and write this down, we desire to see people move from A to E. Meaning, we desire, Craig, to see people that walk in here that may even be apathetic toward God or spiritual things become a bee, meaning they start to become interested in spiritual truth and who Jesus is. We desire to see that bee move to a sea where they confess Christ, they repent of their sin and go, I want to know the Lord. We desire to see the sea move to a D. A D is you start to develop as an authentic disciple of Christ, Dallas, and then we desire to see our D's move to E's, which means they're able to equip other people. Equip other people. All right, that's going to be where we're going to build here part of this morning. Equipping others. So if you read Ephesians 4, and we're going to go 11 through 16, but I want to start with verse 12 for you today. But when you get to verse 12, you would go, okay, that is an indicator right there of what the church should be about. So our desire, our desire based on text of Ephesians 4 is we desire to equip God's people and build up the church, which is the body of Christ, until we all come to such unity in our faith and in our knowledge of the Son of God that we mature in the Lord and that we measure up to the full standard of who Christ is and who we are in Christ. I would, I would really meditate on that passage if I was you. That should be the focus, or that should be our heart's desire. I, I want to be built up. I want to be equipped. I want to be maturing. I want to measure up to the standard of what God has called me to. Now, this is very, very cool. When you study the word equip, now, the pastor teacher is to equip the saints for the work of the service, okay? The word equip implies three different things. And if you study it from a Greek standpoint, Tommy, this is so powerful to me that I think if we could get our minds wrapped around this, that this is what God has called us to do as far as church ministry, if you will, pastor teacher. But, but we all should be a part of this right here, 
okay? Three things. One of the implications of a quip was the portrait of a fisherman taking his nets and mending them back together after they got torn. So after days and weeks of going out fishing, these nets would become compromised. The fishermen would get together and equip their nets. They would repair their nets. They would restore their nets. Part of ministry is repairing and restoring lives that have become torn. All of us walk in here, all of us walk in here with things in our narrative that's kind of tore us a little bit. So when we get equipped in the Lord and we're being built up in the Lord, part of that is we're seeing mending of that which has been torn, if you will. The second word picture in equipping was that of a doctor who would reset a broken bone. He would gently take that broken bone and he would reset it so that it could experience healing. And some of you have gone through even the broken bone piece right here where you've needed healing in your life. But from a spiritual standpoint, part of what God has called us to is the restoration, getting people right, helping them get straightened back out. And so the word ortho, that's what the word ortho means is to straighten out. So part of equipping is helping straighten out something that has become fractured or broke. The third one, when you study equip, was the portrait of these people that would come alongside the captain and they would stockpile a ship before it took a voyage. So in the purest sense, when it comes to equipping, we are here to stockpile, equip, or train God's people for the journey. Come on. This is, this is such a rich word right here. So, so when you look at the church, the ecclesia of those who belong to the Lord, what is the responsibility? It is to equip and build up so that we reach a place of maturation, so that we walk in unity, so that we grow together under the headship of Jesus, so that we're all flourishing in our faith. Who's to be a part of this? All of us. Restoration, healing, the training of the believer. Now, verse 11 is interesting. Now, last week we talked about how Jesus ascended, and when he ascended, he left gifts for people, those that belong to him. Now, this uses in Ephesians 4, and I hope uh, over the last week that you got online and you took some of the spiritual gift, uh, spiritual gift assessment or the shape assessment We've had some fun conversations in my house with Hannah and Rachel as, as we've kind of talked through the way God has wired them and gifted them in this area. I, I hope you did that. And if not, uh, we sent out a text last week at 12 o'clock, and it had a couple of links on it. And if you did not get that and you're watching online, please contact us at info at thecrossloganville.org, and we'll send you that link because it's good to know how you're gifted. Now, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12 kind of deal with spiritual gifts. Ephesians 4, here's what we read. He gave gifts. He gave some to be apostles. He gave some to be prophets. He gave some to be evangelists. And he gave some to be shepherds and teachers. Now, let me break this down. I think it's important to know this. Apostles. When you see the word apostle. These are the people that have been sent forth. The word apostle means to send out or to send forth. When you meet a person with apostolic kind of calling in their life, 
They love to extend the gospel. They love to be part of bridge building with lost people. They're kind of pioneers. They're pace setters. Uh, They love to establish churches and a gospel movement in unreached areas. So when when you look at a person with an apostolic style call, it's like, man, they, they kind of have that wiring to do that. Okay, this is important to know because I, as I've gone through these gifts things over the years, I knew that one of the things was that God had put kind of an apostolic uh, gifting inside of me. Hey, you like being sent out. You like going out. It doesn't imply everyone does, but that's part of the wiring, okay? So they love to communicate the gospel in different places, apostles. Now, the prophet, the word prophet means to speak forth, Prophets are funky people to deal with, and, and I, I score so high when it comes to the gift of prophecy, but prophets oftentimes, true people, uh, people that are true with a spiritual gifting of prophecy, they kind of discern some truth and insight in, into God's word and will into what he's doing at times, okay? And so you're like, oh man, this is what I see God doing before it even happens, and, and prophets will bring correction uh, where there's misdirection going on. Uh, prophets will come in and speak truth uh, to, w- when they do that, what they're doing is they're speaking against the assumptions of the culture, assumptions that are not in line with who God is. Make sense? It's like, man, uh, they will question the status quo of what's going on. So prophets come in and oftentimes prophets, if they are not careful, can kind of blow things up a little bit. Uh, but, but they can be some black and white kind of uh, communicators. Then you've got the evangelist. The evangelist, when they go out, they're all about recruiting. And they're calling people to respond to the gospel. And you've got you to repent. You've got to get your life right, the evangelist. Uh, when you meet a person with a spiritual gift uh, set of, of, that's really strong with evangelism, and I would use Dustin in this one big time. Dustin, man, he's got a heart for the hurting and the lost. You want to see him come alive? It's the one-on-one conversations when he's engaged with somebody hurting or lost. I'm like, that's where he comes alive. Why? Because he's got the spiritual gift of evangelism. Then you've got shepherd and teacher. Shepherds love to nurture. They love to protect. They focus on the spiritual growth of God's people. They love to cultivate and develop disciples. And Nick Slade is so strong when it comes to having a shepherd's heart. I mean, if you really hang out with Nick, you go, man, he's tender, he's nurturing, he loves to cultivate. I I love seeing that. And then you've got teachers, the pastor teacher. Uh, They they love to understand and explain. And and I I probably explain things too many different ways at times, but I'm into it. I'm like, oh, you got to get this understanding. So if I'm going to use the word equip, I got to give you the three ways it's used and show you how it's relevant. they, They love to understand they love to explain. Uh, teachers are communicators of God's truth. When you're reading through this, they, they help others establish a strong foundation. They, they care about God's truth. They care about doctrine. They care about people getting the foundation right. Now, here's what we're called to do based on Ephesians. Shepherd teachers, their responsibility is to equip and build up the body of Christ. They're there to see lives restored, lives straightened out. People experience healing. They love to see the brokenhearted man mended back together. And they love to bring clarity in regards to helping train people up in the ways of the Lord. Now, when you study it, when you study it, 
back to 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, Romans 12. You've got all these different gifts, and, and, and that's what makes up the uniqueness of who we are, gifts that differ, and, and difference does not mean that, that one is better than the other. It, 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 sameness implies uniqueness. So, so we're to be same in unity, but we're unique in how God has wired us. So we're one body. We're one body. And as a result of being the body, Andrew, wherever we're at, we are the presence of God in our community. We are the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. So as you think about where you're at and Lynn, working with Piedmont, Sandy, all, wherever you're at, even in that medical space right there, it's like, hey, we are the visible presence of God on earth. And whatever Jesus did, that's what we're to be doing. Jesse, when you're working at the Ford dealership, you are the physical presence of Jesus on that campus. Doesn't matter where you're at, Greg. We're the physical presence of Jesus wherever God has us. Now, come on, stay with me. The Bible teaches that maturation and spiritual growth is a process. And here are some of the things that uh, are the ingredients to it, if you will. When you say, hey, man, God is desiring to see you, Dalton, grow in your faith, to experience spiritual maturation. Here's what it implies. And this is where Paul is about to go in Ephesians 4. It implies that I have come to a real understanding and a true uh, grasp of what salvation in Christ is all about. I have been delivered from the domain of darkness. I have been transferred and rescued into the kingdom of light. So if I'm going to grow, it implies salvation. Man, I get it. It implies and involves community. I'm going to unpackage some of that thought. But in order to flourish and grow, we grow best in community. And also, and this is where Rick is so strong, when I think about gifting and different things, one of the things that sets Rick Bloomquist apart for me is his, his uh, he's, he's pressed into spiritual discipline so much in his life. If somebody said, hey, tell me something that's unique about him. I'm like, the spiritual disciplines of prayer, worship, belonging, growth, you name it, I admire the disciplines inside that guy. So when you have salvation in community with spiritual disciplines, prayer, fasting, time in the word, all this stuff, you're moving in a direction to experience spiritual growth. All right, so spiritual growth and spiritual maturation, when you look at it, it implies I'm being equipped, I'm being built up, I'm walking in unity. My faith is starting to really uh, measure up to the standard of Christ. I'm getting understanding of God's Son. I'm now walking in that path. Now, when you transition here and you get to verse 14, Dallas, this is one of my favorite things as we build into it, okay? He goes, now, as a result of walking in unity, as a result of being equipped, as a result of being built up, as a result of realizing your identity is in Christ and you're saved by grace and there's no performance whatsoever, as a result, we are no longer to be children. We're no longer to be children that are tossed here and there by waves carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men by craftiness and uh, deceitful scheming. 
we're no longer to be children that just get swept away and caught up and taken down by trickery, by deceit, etc. But instead, but instead, we're to speak the truth in love. We're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together according to the proper working of each, individu- each individual part, he causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Let me unpackage this. No longer children. That is an interesting phrase. As a result of walking with Jesus, as a result of saying, I want to be equipped, I want to be built up, I want to grow, he says, we're to no longer be children, which means, which means, and here's what happens with spiritual infants, people that are just children in the Lord, that don't have root system, strong foundation, or whatever. No, this is so important right here, brother. Here's what we've seen over the years. They become easily a drawn, they are easily drawn away from the centrality of Christ and the focus in their life is not on the gospel of Jesus. What happened? They didn't have any root system. When you read uh, Mark chapter 4 about the sword went out to sow and some of the seed fell here and there. And it got sucked up. Why? It didn't have any root. It wasn't established. Why? Because they were still children. And, and even Hebrews 5 and 6 goes, we should lay aside the elementary teachings of the Christ and press into maturation and growth. But we shouldn't be still over here just on the ABCs all the time. We've got to grow. And so what ends up happening is a lot of people that are still, still spiritual infants, here's what you're going to see happen. I promise you this, you will find a teacher that sounds fascinating and because of a lack of depth and a lack of direction, you start gravitating toward false teaching, bad doctrine, deceitful schemes. And I've seen that happen with so many people. Didn't get plugged into Jesus, didn't have a correct understanding or view of who God was. And your view of God is crucial. Because if your view of God is jacked up, it's going to mess up everything in life. That's the reason Tozer said your concept of God is the most important thing about you because it drives the way you do life. Who is God? i got to see God accurately. But he uses the phrase, man, you get tossed around by the waves. You get blown away by the wind. And I've seen so many people just get tossed and they just lose focus. A few weeks ago here in Georgia, we had Zeta, Zeta, whatever her name was. We've had so many hurricanes, they finally made it to the letter Z. But man, the winds, as they came out of the Gulf and kind of busted into the New Orleans area and just made that kind of northeastern swing and kind of headed toward us. I mean, there were so many of us, even in this room, that we, at our houses, we've lost power. And it's like, man, I don't have any power, man. The winds came and just kind of jacked things up and blew transformers, and I don't have any power. When you get blown away and, and you get taken into deceitful, scheming, teach, you have no power. It exposes inside of you, oh, I, don't have, I don't have any power. I, I remember the next morning after Zed, I went through that night. I'd gone out, bought a generator. I'm like, well, 
if something happens, I, I, I've got to be able to have a generator because the kids with their cystic fibrosis, and we've got to be able to plug in. We've got to be able to do life and keep them healthy. But I went out the next morning, and my recycle bin was 75 yards down the road in the cul-de-sac. And I'm like, what happened? It just got blown away. And when you don't have strong foundation in Christ, then you're not secure in your identity in Christ. And you don't have biblical root system. You, things in life are going to come your way, and you're going to get blown away. You're going to get blown away. So what are the waves and winds that bring trouble into our lives? Personalize this one. How about the waves of difficult cir circumstances in your life right now? Some of you are facing the waves of difficult circumstances. And, and when you go through times of grief and times of loss, you can lose balance and focus. And it's so hard right now. Relational turmoil, people losing jobs, incomes are shrinking, marriages hanging on by a thread. You, you go into this season right now, think about it. You go into this season right now where we're 10 or 11 days away from Thanksgiving, which culturally speaking, man, that's a great family time and celebratory time, and you've got fractured relationships, whether with your spouse or kids or your siblings or something. And you're going, man, the waves are starting to beat against me right now. And then you start to think about what we're witnessing in this world. The waves are beating against us right now. So many people are getting sidetracked because of the fear and, and the anxiety and all the stuff that's being thrown at us right now from the media. I, I was thinking about this, listening to the news will blow you in a hundred different directions. And if you're not anchored in Christ and firm in your faith and steadfast pushing into Jesus, you will think that God has abandoned the throne. And there's so many people right now that are gripped with fear and they're beat down. And the waves and the winds are, are jacking with you. And I want to encourage you, anchor deep. Get your root system strong. That's what he's building on right here. You've got to be strong. And then you've got the, the waves and the winds of false teachers. Jude, chapter 4. Or there, there's only one book of Jude. Uh, Jude, verse 4. Jude, verse 4. Because if you pull it up in the Bible, you know what's interesting? Like if you pull it up on some of these... Uh, like the Bible app or whatever, it'll say Jude chapter 1, verse 4. There's, there's, that's it. It's just Jude. It's like 3 John. There ain't multiple chapters in it. So Jude verse 4. It says, For certain individuals have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people. They pervert the grace of God into a licentiousness for immorality. They deny Jesus as our sovereign Lord. There's people slipping in, people with false doctrine, people that mix enough truth with lies that mislead people. He goes on to say in verse 13, which applies back to Ephesians 4, they are wild waves of the sea foaming up their shame. I was reading this going, that's right. How long have deceitful false teachers been slipping in trying to lead people astray? It's been going on ever since the church was founded. And these people, 
Here's the crazy thing. And I would write this down and ponder this. The people that come in that are unbiblical, they're a little more easy to detect in what they're teaching. It's the people that come in that are extra biblical, which means they take what appears to be truth and they add their little slant to it. It ends up becoming unbiblical, but they're just extra biblical people. And that's the day in which we find ourselves living. You turn on the TV and see prosperity messages and all this stuff, and you're like, that's deceitful right there. And the funky thing for me is I've walked with Jesus these years. I can tell you the people that fool you and fool us know how to be slick in their approach. And they oftentimes go after the gullible and those who are weak in their faith. They're false teachers. They're not bringing the full gospel. And those people that are false teachers will convince you that whatever teaching you're listening to is the wrong teaching. And they will elevate a certain denominational bent. There's a Church of Christ movement that I've seen bring about incredible division and turmoil in people's lives. It's happened under the Pentecostal umbrella. It's happened under multiple other umbrellas. But they'll come in and go, we have the truth. And what they'll always end up doing is they will emphasize a piece of Scripture that we would call a problem passage, which means that it's not just as clear as you want it to be. You go back and you watch the David Koresh documentary. You go back and you watch what happened in Waco years ago. And the one thing that Koresh did, even underneath that Seventh-day Adventist movement, is Koresh convinced people that he had insight into revelation in regards to the seven seals, and he knew the insight of how this was going to unfold. And people started gravitating toward him. And Jim Jones and so many others over the years. But they go after the weak. They go after the gullible. They go after people starving to belong. And Rick, that's why it's so important, brother, with what you're doing with our kids and with our youth. I would tell you, I will, I will tell you, strengthen your heart. Strengthen your foundation. Be strong in the Lord. Get your anchor system strong. Because even the text reads... But instead, you see it there in verse 14, 15, but instead, but, but, but instead of being carried away with trickery, deceitfulness, schemes, and all these different crazy waves and winds, but instead implies that there is a healthier option. But, but instead, you don't have to be there. But instead, you don't have to have your lunch handed to you. But instead, you don't have to throw the towel in and say, I'm quitting. But instead implies there's an option. There, there, there's an option. And the option is the person of Jesus Christ. There, there's an option if you will get to know the Lord. There's an option if you will really press into him. Because our entire faith system is based on a person, not based on a philosophy. It's the person of Christ. It is the person of Christ. And here's one of the things I believe each and every one of us needs to kind of work through. If you are building your belief system on a philosophy or an idea... Every philosophical system of thought you are subjected to, listen to this, 
you're opening your minds up to the potential of the craftiness of the teacher. Don't, 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 don't miss this. When you start to think of the philosophical systems that exist, they're all a bunch of isms. From a law standpoint, and just from a secular standpoint, you go, what are they? Well, you've got humanism. You've got postmodernism. You've got secularism. You've got all these different isms. Where did isms come from? They came from man. Communism. Socialism. They're, they're all from man. But hold on. Even evangelical Christianity has their isms. And people oftentimes are more proud of their ism than they are the gospel. Well, what do you, well, where do you line up? Well, I'm into Calvinism. I'm into Arminianism. I, I, I'm into fundamentalism. Every ism has been contributed. Every ism system, Rick, is contributed by man. And, and, and that's the reason as we talk, which Rick has got such a brilliant philosophical mind. But as we sat there, he's like, it's all about knowing Jesus and reflecting Jesus to your world. I want to know what the systems are, but every system is subject to have flaws. I've been thinking about that. Don't be swept away. Don't get blown down the road. Don't be taken under by the waves. We got to anchor deep. So how do you do it? Paul would even say, "Hey, speak the truth in love. Speak God's truth in love. Sanctify Christ's Lord in your heart." Peter would say, "Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within you, but do it with with reverence toward God and gentleness and love toward others. But speak the truth in love." And a lot of people assume that if you love others, it means that you endorse whatever their philosophy of life is. That's not true. Truth is not all-inclusive. Truth in its purest definition excludes. And we have to understand that when we hear certain people talk, anger, guilt, shame, fear, that's not of God. Perfect love, Dean, cast out all fear, guilt, shame, when we're walking in perfect love. False teachers are self-centered. False teachers will mislead others. Do we take this so serious here at the cross? Do we want to handle the text in context? Yes. That's the reason when you a la carte scripture and cut and paste scripture, and take a little bit out of this book and a little bit out of this book and, and kind of marry together out of context, you can mislead people. You can develop an argument that is inconsistent with the whole of Scripture. We're supposed to mature? Yes, yes. Well, what does that mean? It means becoming more like Jesus every day. That, that person's maturing. What, what, what's happening? They're becoming more like Jesus every day. So growing in maturity... Growing in maturity, even as we dive here, you cannot do it by yourself. Growth will never be experienced in a solo journey. There's no lone rangers. 
You, you can't do it that way. You can't do it on your own. You were born into the world dependent upon others even to clothe you, feed you, and take care of you. When we become part of the body of Christ, Jesus is our head, but we benefit from community and connectivity and body life. God never saves a person for them to live in isolation. And, and I heard this years ago, and this statement rocked my world. Listen to me. Isolation is a tool of the predator. When you isolate, that is a tool of the predator. When the predator comes and, and, and seeks to take people out, he tries to get that person in isolation away from community of others. And some of us even here today have suffered greatly from a predator because they took us away and forced us into isolation. But spiritually speaking, I've seen people over the years blow it up, shipwreck, and, and their lives fall apart because they were isolated. That's the problem, listen to me. That's the problem with this quarantine shutdown. People are isolating. It is a tool of the predator. God created us for community to be a part of a body. And when I see what's happened over these last seven or eight months or whatever, isolation is a tool of the predator. If I can get them isolated, if I can get them living in fear, if I can weigh them down with anxiety, if I can create this narrative that we want them to hear, and we right now, not only as a nation, but globally speaking, we right now are all experiencing and suffering the effects of the predator. Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan is all about a one-world system and one-world order. Let's isolate people. Let's get them out of community. And I can tell you personally, personally, Jesse, man, stay with us, son. Caleb Cash, stay with us, son. Hannah, stay with us. Three of my five are here. Refuse to isolate. Refuse to be a long ranger. Because I can tell you as your dad, since I came to faith in Christ 35 years ago, I benefit from accountability. I benefit from allowing people to speak into my life. I benefit from having other eyes on me. I've got blind spots. I can shipwreck it. Dad's not that good. Dad benefits from having healthy people like Steve and Dustin and Rick and Nick and other people in his life. Again, I shared with you guys a few weeks ago, this is just from the heart, as we walked the library there in Charlotte at the Billy Graham Librarian Headquarters. I mean, when Billy Graham said, I will never travel by myself, when he was with Cliff Barrows and George Bevshay, before Billy would walk into a hotel room, someone would walk in and comb through the room. They would comb through the closet. They would look under the bed. They would rip back the shower curtain. They would make sure 
There, there is nobody in here. Okay. Isolation is a tool of the predator. But Proverbs 27 says, as one man sharpens another, as iron sharpens iron, so one brother sharpens another. And it's so important to have Kevin in our life, brother. We've got to have people around us, man, that sharpen us. We've got to have people around us that sharpen us. My heart's been crushed this week, Barb knows, of a former college roommate of mine, and I'm like, man, after 32 years of marriage, just checked out. My heart was so heavy because I'm like, it, it doesn't have to be that way. You've got to fight for covenant. You're not going to have the warm and fuzzies every day. Marriage is not easy. Life is not easy. You've got to fight for it. You've got to be willing to struggle with each other. But I'm like, man, I want to finish this thing strong. And I, I, I benefit from the body of Christ. I benefit from having godly people in my world. So here's what I would say, and here's basically what Paul is saying, and I say it with much compassion. Stop being irresponsible. Grow up. That's what he says. In all aspects, grow up into Christ from whom the whole body is being fitted and held together, building itself up in love. How are you going to do it? This is my wrap, closing with this. How do you do it? We have to have unity in our faith. We have to. We, we've got to establish what the essential doctrines are of the faith. And if you want to read the Cross Loganville, the leadership doctrinal statement that we have, it's about eight pages long. We'll be more than glad to send it to you. But we want you to know what we believe and where we land on essential doctrines. That's important. Because if you're not growing in unity... And again, you're living in isolation, you're going to function as a child. Second thing he says right here in this text is that you would move into deep knowledge of the Son of God. Who really is Jesus? How did he do life? And this is one of the greatest studies, Rick, we can stay involved in, brother. I mean, how did Jesus love his neighbor? How did Jesus take a stand in the midst of all of the political turmoil of his day and keep the main thing the main thing? How did he stay calm in the midst of all the waves and winds of storms of his day? I, I, I want to know Jesus. And, and again, again, like the verse that I memorized about six or eight months into my faith, Tommy, was 2 Corinthians 11.3. And it has become one of the linchpin pillars in my faith where he says, I'm afraid just as the serpent tempted Eve with all of his craftiness, I'm afraid that your minds would be led astray from simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus. I memorized that. My buddy challenged me, you need to stay focused, Tim. And that became an anchor in my journey. I, I got to know, know the Lord. So it's the unity in the faith. It's the knowledge of Christ. And then it's works of service. God has called us all to be out serving, giving our lives away, making a difference in the life of others. So 
if you talk to, like Dustin and I, when we talk about doing missional work, we're not up here talking about it as if it's just a requirement based on what we do. We're talking about it based on the involvement of 35 years of walking with Jesus. You got to get out there and get with people. You got to go love on people. And it's not just global. Because as I shared with my girl Kelsey, I said, you can go on mission trips and come off the mission trip. But if you're living a life of mission, you just take trips to live out your mission. And that is so important. So it's like living missional every day. So yes, you can say, I've been to Korea and I've been to Bangkok and I've been to Venezuela and Dominican and all these other places. Like, okay, but am I living a missional life today? So again... The mark of spiritual maturity is that we become more like Jesus. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, we hope that you really pulled some things out of it. And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you ever step in this building or not, to become fully alive in Christ. Yeah, we want to see you committed to Christ. We would love to see you connected to others in a small group. And we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of Christ through uh, sharing your faith, uh, as well as financially investing in the work of God. That's right. And so we pray that you're growing, that you're striving forward. There's so many resources on the website. You can watch past messages, your testimonies from people. But we pray that you utilize those. And we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Hey, make it a great day and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.